It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, George Wilder Jr. feeling positive i hope you are um uh, in the <laughs> in the right mindset if i can get this out um thanks for tuning in thanks for uh listening to the show and podcasting and downloading the show welcome to the blog talk radio you know i mean a lot of people call it a podcast but you know um they call it a radio show i call it a radio show and this is internet radio at its finest at its finest not just in Chicago, but, you know, everywhere, everywhere. All right, Trump defends Saudi Arabia's denial about planning of uh, someone's death. Trump is always defending hootlums, thugs, dictators, criminals, because he's one. (laughs) He's one, so he's going to defend them. Uh, He's even defending his daughter. Uh, You've probably heard this, that she's... uh, been using her private emails for government business. 
claiming that she didn't know or that it was some mistake or it's not the same. Bullshit. Garbage. And I hope the Democrats, once they take office in sep- in January, on January 3rd, 2019, that they investigate this fully. I mean, Trump, I mean, this asshole led the charge on Hillary's emails. He's saying that it's different. It's, it's no difference. It, there's no difference. If you use a private, if you, if you use a government, uh, uh, government email for private business, it's the same. It's the same, maybe even worse than what Hillary Clinton has done. And now Trump is all over um, television, internet, and everywhere saying that it's, it's different. It's not the same. Give me a break. Why would anybody – we know he's lying. We know he's trying to defend his daughter, taking up for his daughter, and we know he's lying. But why would anybody want to defend Donald Trump on anything he says? Why would we believe anything he says that comes out of his rotten mouth? We will not. We won't. His constitutional challenged supporters will. His uneducated supporters, they will believe anything he says because they want to hear lies. But still in all, to try to say this is different, that her her using... A, a, a government uh, server uh, for her private business is not the same as he was railing on Clinton about. It's bullshit, completely bullshit, and that's all Donald Trump has been giving us. Total garbage. Total, total garbage. And I hope, like I said before, I hope the Democrats once they uh, are sworn in on January 3rd, 2019, I hope they this, this is just going to be one of many things they're going to be tackling uh, when it comes to Donald Trump. They're going to tackle um, uh, the 2016 uh, Russia probe. They're going to investigate that. They're going to try and save Mueller's job because we know that Trump and the Republicans are going to try to save it. Of course, a lot of Republicans are going to try and save Donald Trump. They're saving his ass now. I mean, if if the Republicans were legit on uh, on checking and balancing this goofy president, we would not have him in office. He would not be there. But I'm hoping when Mueller, and I know you are too, when Mueller comes out with these indictments, that there's going to be a slew of indictments. A lot of these Republicans in Congress, their asses are going to be going to jail too because they are just as much traitors to this country the jackass in the White House as this son of a bitch alright you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. show and we're talking about Ivanka Trump's email sometimes he, she doesn't use Ivanka Trump she, she uses Ivanka um, Kushner and these emails, Trump wanted to order Justice Department to prosecute Comey and Clinton for their emails. Now, since his own daughter is doing the same damn thing or worse, he's trying to take up for her, saying that this is different. It's not different. Using government emails for, for sending private messages is the same. Clinton did it. Comey did it. Now Ivanka's doing it. And he's saying it's different. 
it's always it's always uh, uh, what's good for the country is not good for the Trumps because they think they are above the law. This is why I think that Ivanka Trump uh, used her private emails for government business is because she thought she was above the law, period. She knew all about what was going on with Clinton. She knew all about it. But she deliberately did this because she was thinking, well, my my father is president of the United States, so he's above the law, so his family is above the law. You are not above the law. You are not above the law. They kept ch- – and she was the one – Ivanka Trump uh, – Trump's daughter, she was one of the assholes out there uh, two or three years ago saying, lock her up, lock her up. She was uh, leading a charge for to lock Hillary Clinton up for her, her emails. Now America should be leading the charge to, to lock up Ivanka Trump or Ivanka Kushner, whatever she wants to call herself. But this is not going to go away. Donald Trump is trying to make it go away by saying it's it's different. Uh, Clinton's emails were deleted. That's not the point. That's beside what's going on. Clinton could have emailed, uh, uh, deleted a lot of her emails. Who's to say that Ivanka didn't delete some of her, her emails? But that's not the point. The point here is that it's it was done. Whether you delete them or not, she still is accused of using her private emails on a government server. End of story. End of story. We don't want to hear about deleted emails. She used it, and now she's saying that she didn't know what she was doing. Give me a break. I've heard that. It was an honest mistake. No, it was not. She felt that she was above the law. Her her goofy daddy is president. Uh, so she did it, thinking that she's going to get away with it. And now Donald Trump and his lawyers and the goofiness, they're trying to protect her. It ain't going to happen. Trump is not going to happen. She's going to go through the congressional hearings, and there will be an investigation, and she will be under oath. If she lies to Congress, she goes to jail. And and that's not the only Trump that's going to be going to jail. Donald Trump Jr. Ivanka Trump may be facing two indictments, an indictment for using her emails, an indictment for uh, the emolument clause, making money while on the job in government, which is totally unallowed by the Constitution, which the Trumps care little or nothing about. All right, you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. Show. Thanks, folks. I got a little gum in my mouth, so <laughs> we may have to uh, uh, deal with that. Anyway, um, I want to say something about Michael Avenatti. It has gotten the attorney for Stormy Daniels, the guy who said he wanted to run for president. Uh, he's now being accused of uh, hitting. Uh, wow, it, it's really, really bad for him. I don't, and his, I think it's presidential presidential ambitions are over i mean he is really being smeared in the media and some woman has come out and said that he's he's 
throwing her around, hit her and bashed her and all this kind of stuff and knocked her down. And, you know, and he is um, claiming his innocence, but they're saying they got taped. They got video of this stuff. But he is claiming that he's innocent and this and this that this is some sort of a smear or uh, some sort of a tactic done by the uh, Trump administration to quiet him or to get him out of the way or something. But uh, it it is damning. This is totally damning. Now I'm hearing that, as I've stated, that there may be tapes. There may be video um, and other evidence proving that Avenatti is not the person he uh, claimed he was or is to all Americans. We'll just have to wait and see, folks. I, now, I like the guy. I mean, I saw him on television. He was going from one show to the next all over the place and saying he's going to get Donald Trump and all that stuff. And that was good. I liked him. It was okay. Uh, but now uh, it could be a setup. So I don't want to jump to any conclusion because this could be a setup. It could be uh, uh, the Trump campaign or some other people trying to get him out of the way, trying to keep him quiet, retaliating against him because he can't stand Donald Trump. Um, so we just have to, to wait. You know, I got clips on the show uh, of Avenatti, Michael Avenatti on the George Wilder Jr. show. Um, but these are old, old clips. But uh, in light of the uh, allegations that have come out, yeah, they're allegations now, but they're very, very powerful allegations. Uh, I don't understand why anybody would do something like this, you know, just to get attention. This is this is uh, breaking news. This is this is this is it. This is dramatic. When I think of it, this is very, very dramatic. And I think that someone asked Michael Avenatti, uh, if all of this is not true, then why would she say this? And I'm told that he didn't have anything to say. He could not answer that question. So, you know, if this is, uh, if this is true, if all of this comes out that he battered this woman, and he was involved in domestic violence, his star will be tarnished. You know, a lot of women loved him. I liked him, you know, I'm, I liked him as a lawyer, as as someone who is smart and intelligent, as someone who had, who was believable when he talked on television, you know, but a lot of women thought he was handsome and all that kind of stuff, but uh, <laughs> that's their problem. But I liked him because as as I've stated, I think he was a very intelligent guy. I mean, most of the things he said about Donald Trump and his Donald Trump administration's administration was spot on. He seemed truthful. Uh, but now, you know, I mean, a lot of people can probably talk about uh, Michael Avenatti. He was he was actually becoming America's lawyer because he was saying to a lot of folks that he was going to run for president of the United States. And, and as I've mentioned, I think his star is uh, uh, soiled. I don't think he got a chance in hell to run for president of the United States. Um, he may have would have had my vote. I may have given my given him my vote or something to that effect. But uh, I don't know. We just have to wait. He's. I'm pretty sure he is still 
protesting his innocence and saying that it's Donald Trump who's trying to smear him to get him out of the way. We just have to just have to wait and see what happens. But these latest allegations, they are really trying. They are really, really trying. And the fact that he couldn't say why this woman would make up uh, these allegations, these lies about him, that's also telling. That is also telling. So we just have to wait and see what happens, you know. All right, you've been listening to the George Walter Jr. Show. We will be right back as we dig up some more trash <laughs> because that's all that's coming out of this White House. But And I, I'm, once again, I want to thank everybody out there who voted because this is a – your vote has put a twist in Donald Trump's ass. He knows he can no longer be a dictator but he's still trying. He's trying to come out. And there's there's this federal judge, uh, as I'm handed this, there's a federal judge, and this judge blocked Trump's new asylum rules. And this judge came out and, came out and, and told Trump and is telling Trump he cannot rewrite immigration laws. He cannot rewrite the – excuse me. He cannot rewrite the Constitution. This is what Donald Trump wants. Donald Trump thinks that every federal judge out there should do what he tells them to do. He thinks that every judge out there is working for him. He thinks that every judge out there should be beholden to Donald Trump. (laughs) His dictator days are over. All right, folks, we'll be right back. We'll be right back after this musical break. I wouldn't normally address this. As a journalist, I don't really like being the story here, but because of how important it is for each of us to stand up for what is right and what is decent, I'm going to tell you exactly how I feel starting right now. 
So President Trump is on vacation this week at his golf resort in New Jersey, but he is he's not taking any time off from Twitter and apparently from watching me on CNN, which he denies, by the way. I know this because he has tweeted a nasty, hateful swipe at me and LeBron James that we've been discussing here. You probably read about it or saw it somewhere. I sat down with the NBA great for a primetime exclusive. That was last week after LeBron had just opened his I Promise school for 240 at-risk third and fourth graders. And during our conversation, LeBron said this. You know, we, we, we are in a position right now in America, more importantly, where this whole this race thing is, is, is taking over. You know, and, and um, because, one, because I believe our president is kind of trying to divide us. For him to, um, like I said, use sports to kind of divide us is something I can't, I can't sit back and not, and not say nothing. What would you say to the president if he's sitting right here? Uh, I would never sit across from him. You would never? You want to talk to him? No. I'm sitting across from Barack, though. I'm sure that got him. So as we know, President Trump doesn't like anyone to disagree with him or to criticize him. So he tweeted this late on Friday night. He said, LeBron James was just interviewed by the dumbest man on television, Don Lemon. He made LeBron look smart, which isn't easy to do. I like my... All right, New York actress files domestic violence restraining order against the uh, lawyer, Michael Avenatti, who I was speaking about earlier. And uh, she's saying she looks like a liar, but who knows? Uh, All they are calling her is an actress. Okay, an actress seeking a restraining order against Michael Avenatti after the potential lawyer was arrested last week on suspicion of felony domestic violence. Okay, her name is Marley or something. I'm not going to mention her name. I'll just say she filed a petition Monday at the Santa Monica branch of Los Angeles County Superior Court online. Gershel. Wow. She was given a follow-up hearing date for December 10th. Okay, Avenatti issued a statement on Twitter shortly after the news, the news of the court filing broke. I'm quoting Avenatti, Avenatti here. He said, I look forward to a full clearing of my name and disclosure of all facts. I have never abused a woman who or committed domestic violence against anyone. Anyone claimed to the contrary is completely bogus and fabricated. I'm a target. I will not be, I will be exonerated. Excuse me. He's saying I will be exonerated. He wrote in a tweet. Okay. Avenatti is best known for representing porn star Stormy Daniels in her lawsuit against President Trump and was arrested Wednesday for allegedly assaulting an unidentified woman. Authorities say Avenatti is 47 years old, was cuffed by the LAPD detectives and booked for a, a felony domestic assault. On suspicion, he he struck out the un, he struck the unidentified woman last Tuesday. Cops say. Now, how can a how can police officers say he struck this woman when he did not uh, uh, when they did not see what actually happened? This is allegedly until it's proven untrue in a court of law. Police cannot say, "Well, Avenatti struck this woman." How do you know? You weren't there. Or are you just taking her word for it? People lie. Okay? Uh, Avenatti goes on. Avenatti goes on and says, I wish to thank the hardworking men and women of the LAPD for their 
professionalism. He said in a statement issued the day of the of the arrest, quoting again, um, they are only doing their jobs in light of the completely bogus allegations against me. Avenatti was admitted. Uh, Avenatti was ab- abdomen adamant that he was never physically abusive to anyone. Any accusations to the contrary are fabricated and meant to do him harm, meant to do harm to his reputation, reputation, he said in a statement. I said that earlier in the show that somebody's after him. They're trying to take him out and ruin his reputation, ruin his life, uh, ruin his, maybe trying to get, get his law license taken away. And he feels that it's the Trump administration that's doing this because I think when I saw a video of this, of him being released from jail, I, you know, I believe he mentioned that to a fact that it was the Trump administration because he vowed uh, earlier, uh, later on, excuse me, that he was going to get Trump. He was going to get Trump. And this lady, I I, I was just viewing the uh, uh, nightly news and it was saying that she had tapes and proofs and videos of this, these things happening. We'll just have to wait and see what happens. But, um, but they're all allegations until proven in a court of law. So for the police department, the LA police department to say that he struck this unidentified woman last Tuesday, I think is a bit premature. I really do think that's a bit premature. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not taking Avenatti's side because, you know, I mean, you knew the guy as a television personality, but you really don't, you really didn't, uh, you really can't say much about him uh, or what his personal life is all about, you know. He just didn't strike me as a a, a domestic violence abuser. Uh, But we'll just wait and see what happens. And um, I think it's sad. I think it's very sad that uh, this guy dropped so low. But it's up to him. It's up to the lawyer. It's up to Michael Avenatti uh, to prove his innocence. And he's very confident uh, on proving his innocence. You know, if it's I'm, I'm all for him. I, if I think that this is a bogus. Uh, these are bogus allegations. I'm all for him trying to prove himself. People do lie. I mean, he is a high-profile lawyer. He said a lot of awful things about Trump. And as we know, Trump goes after his cr- critics. He goes after his critics in one way or another. He goes after his critics. So we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And, um, you know... I'm all for it. I, I hope that a lot of these allegations about him being uh, uh, violent and abusive to this woman are not true. But we just have to wait and find out and see what happens. Freedom. This is what I call.
Ivanka's emails are all over the place, and I've talked about their, her emails earlier into the show, and the Democrats will uh, investigate her personal emails using a government server starting in June, uh, January of 2019, as I've uh, earlier said, and that's a good thing. This is, is, should not be construed as her not knowing what she was doing or thinking that she is above the law and that she was going to get away with this. She's not going to get away with anything. I mean, if the Republicans were in control of uh, the House of Representatives, she would, because they would not do any oversight. But oversight is here. The Democrats are going to make sure of that, and I am so, so glad. And you should be, too, because our government is finally working. We'll be right back. And good evening, I'm Erin Burnett. Out front tonight, a secret Trump tape. Tonight, I can tell you, there is a tape. The president's former lawyer, Michael Cohen, recording a conversation he had with Donald Trump about paying off a Playboy model, a Playboy model who claims a year-long affair with Trump. Now, the tape that we know about was recorded just before the election. It's now in the hands of the FBI. 
According to the president's current attorney, Rudy Giuliani, on the tape, Cohen and Trump discussed buying the rights to Playboy model Karen McDougal's story from the National Enquirer's parent company. And, well, here's the thing. The tape shows that Team Trump lied. First of all, Trump's team denied even knowing that the National Enquirer ever paid McDougal for her story. Trump's spokeswoman at the time, Hope Hicks, said of that payment, quote, we have no knowledge of any of this, and she also said McDougal's claim of an affair with Mr. Trump was totally untrue. For his part, Trump has remained uncharacteristically silent about his relationship with McDougal. Thank you all very much. Mr. President, any comment on Mr. McDougal? Maybe he didn't want to lie directly to the cameras on that one, but McDougal did speak out to the camera at length. There were real feelings between the two of us, not just myself, not just him. There was a real relationship there, and I kind of out of sight, out of mind with everything else. And, you know, in, deep inside, I did have a lot of guilt, but I, I still continued. This all happened, of course, around the same time Cohen was paying off Stormy Daniels to keep quiet about her alleged one-night stand with Trump, a story Trump also appears to have lied about. Remember Trump said this just a few months ago about that hush payment. Ask Michael Cohen. Michael's my an attorney, and you'll have to ask Michael Cohen. Do you know where he got the money? No, no, no. Until Giuliani said the president did know because he repaid that payoff. Funneled through law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. Yeah. Now, just to be clear, not only did the president repay it. The New York Times reports, citing two sources, that Trump knew about the repayment well before he lied about it on Air Force One. And tonight, CNN is learning that Michael Cohen has more tapes of Trump, and Evan Perez is out front. I mean, Evan, more tapes. That has got to be one of the last things Team Trump wants to hear. Yeah, you would imagine so, Aaron. The, the idea that Michael Cohen had this habit of recording conversations that he had with prominent, with important people, that's what we're learning from Rudy Giuliani and from other sources who are, are, have been briefed on these recordings, which obviously are now in the hands of the investigators. The question there is, you know, who are those people that are on those tapes? Uh, what kind of information was being discussed? Could that be something that could be uh, embarrassing or could cause some legal problems for those people? It does appear that Michael Cohen's uh, investigation, which is being done by the prosecutors in, uh, in Manhattan, in the uh, federal prosecutors in Manhattan, uh, could end up widening because of this. So, I mean, this is obviously a crucial point you make, Evan. I mean, and, and what more do we know about this specific recording uh, uh, between Cohen and Trump about the Playboy model Karen McDougal. Right, so this, this uh, recording was made in September, early September of 2016. A month earlier is when Karen McDougal had signed an agreement with AMI, the publisher of the National Enquirer, for the rights to her story about her alleged affair with, uh, with Donald Trump. Uh, now, 
according to people we've talked to, this uh, this meeting, this uh, this recording rather, uh, is under two minutes. That's what a source told our our Karis Canal. Uh, so the question is, you know, what exactly, what 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 does this mean for the investigation? What does this mean for the president? Uh, people close to the president, including Rudy Giuliani, says this is no big deal. This is actually not going to be a problem for the president. But others who uh, we've talked to say that there is an issue here for the president and for his legal team to be to, to, to take care of. Obviously, we know that Michael Cohen's been sending signals that he wants to cooperate with prosecutors and the FBI. Uh, we just heard just today that he met with Al Sharpton, the Reverend Al Sharpton, to talk, I guess, have a one and a half hour discussion. Apparently, that's another sign that uh, Michael Cohen is sending out there uh, that he wants to try to make a deal, perhaps, with prosecutors. We do not know uh, at this point, Aaron, whether prosecutors want him to provide any information uh, or whether they're going to try to charge him. All right. Thank you very much, Evan Perez. I mean, in a sense, it sort of seems like by putting this stuff out there, whoever, whoever is, um, you know, if they want, if you want to do a deal with him, he, he could do it without playing this in the media. But uh, that's a big question. Out front now, Kerry Cordero, former counsel to the U.S. Assistant Attorney General for National Security. Harry Sandick, former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, where, of course, uh, the investigation to Cohen is in full swing. And April Ryan, White House correspondent for American Urban Radio Network. Harry, you're with me. Uh, according to Trump's own lawyer, this is not the only recording. Okay, yep. So they are admitting, obviously because they think we're all going to find out at some point. Yep. We might as well get it out there, right? <laughs> But how damaging could this tape be, this one about Karen McDougal? It's short, but we know it's about something that they said, Team Trump said, the president knew nothing about, and obviously he did. Yeah, with every inconsistency, uh, it be would become harder for Trump and his team to defend against any claim. On the substance, it sounds like this is some sort of a reimbursement that's being made, that essentially AMI was an intermediary making a payment to McDougal with mm -hmm the knowledge perhaps that Trump and his team were going to then reimburse them in order to help kill this story whereas McDougal thought that she was selling the story in order maybe to become famous or profit off of her prior connection mm. to Trump so so uh, the, the the National Enquirer parent company which of course is owned by a friend of Trump's exactly. they really were working together is what this disappears to to show which you know yeah. not a surprise but uh, discussing it as opposed to just uh, implicitly doing it. I mean, Kerry, Team Trump is trying to say, look, this is not a legal problem for the president, but that sounds like spin. I think to the extent there might be a legal problem to the president, it's whether or not this could potentially be interpreted, the payment could be interpreted as being some kind of campaign finance violation, um, whether or not it's a reporting violation or whether the payment is a payoff that could be construed as some kind of loan to the campaign. And from that perspective, the timing of these alleged payoffs I think makes sense because if it was the closer you get to the election, so if this took place in September of 2016, the closer we get to the election, the closer it starts to look like it really was intended to affect the election. And then, of course, the yeah. content of that phone call is what matters. Um, in the phone call that's now recorded and in government possession, if the phone call between Donald Trump and Michael Cohn reveals that there was uh, a payment being made for a particular purpose, that would be very relevant. I mean,
as well to Junior Shill, and thanks for staying with me. All right, there is something on the internet I want to uh, share with you, and it says Trump will not visit troops in war zones because he's afraid people want to kill him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've been seeing this all over the internet. I was just waiting to see if it was uh, if it was true. And just not, you know, lies. But this is true. Trump is afraid visit troops in war zones because he's been criticized for not doing it. So he's afraid that they want to kill him. That's why he will not visit troops in, in war zones because he, he said it himself. He's afraid they're going to kill him. Uh, he might uh, get killed. Trump... You could get killed over here in America. <laughs> you don't have to set foot out of America uh, uh, to think that you're going to get killed. You can get killed right here in America. I think if someone really wanted to knock Donald Trump off, they could have easily done it. Air Force One is not going to protect you. The White House will not protect you. If somebody really wanted to take Donald Trump out, as he's suggesting to, to the reason why he will not go to <laughs> visit the troops. They would have taken him out already here on American soil. But he's such an inept, he's such an awful president, they decide to let him live so he can wreak more havoc on us. Wow. I've said this before, folks. I think the troops, the, our veterans should just turn their backs on this clown, this fool, this ignorant mongrel in our White House. They should just turn their backs on this asshole president. I, I just think Trump disrespects the military. I think he disrespects veterans. I think he disrespects America as a whole. He's he's crazy. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. He doesn't know what the fuck he's saying. He just it just comes out of his fucking mouth. He's afraid he's gonna get killed. I guess he's saying that to try to shore up some sympathy for him. Trump say a lot of things. That thinks he's gonna shore up some sympathy. People are gonna feel oh that oh okay you scared okay we understand they do shoot guns. He's the president of the United States. Bush went to visit the troops. Obama went to visit visit the troops. Other presidents have gone to visit troops. Donald Trump is scared shitless. This is what I've been saying all along, folks. Donald Trump is a bully. Bullies are cowards. And we're witnessing it right now. Donald Trump is a fucking scared-ass bully. See how he backed down twice from CNN? They were going to sue his ass. But he backed down. He caved in. He threatened Jim Acosta's uh, uh, press pass twice. And CNN came after him twice. And he backed the fuck down. This is a classic bully, folks. This is one classic bully right here. You stand up to these jackass bullies. And they will back down just like Donald Trump. 
Donald Trump do not want his reputation or his business brought out in the courts on anything. This is why he backs down. Why do you think if Donald Trump calls another politician a name, a, a high-profile politician a name, and that politician uh, calls Donald Trump a name back, Donald Trump will not call that person another name. Case in point, I think Avenatti has said many times that he was going to go after Trump. He called Trump this. He called Trump that, a liar. You know, uh, Trump backed down. Or maybe Trump is sending somebody out there to smear him, smear Avenatti. But case in point here, folks, stand up to bullies. Kids, stand up to bullies. Teenagers, young adults, adults, you know, old people, stand up to bullies. They are nothing but cowards. Trump is proof of that. They're cowards. They're cowards. And this guy is saying that he will not visit our troops in harm's way because he's afraid of getting killed, getting shot. This, <laughs> this I want to laugh, I mean, because it's so ridiculous coming from someone who is not doing his job. If you're not visiting the Trump, I mean, excuse me, folks, if you're not vis- visiting the troops in war zones, you're not doing your job. If you're not going uh, to Arlington Cemetery to uh, uh, on Veterans Day to uh, acknowledge the troops who have died in wars, you're not doing your job. Trump does not do his job as a president of the United States. He should be fired. He was in France. He refused to go and acknowledge the troops. This is why I say I... This is this should be the last draw for, for the American troops, the military. Turn your back on this jackass. Turn your back on him. When he comes around and he's and expects a salute, turn your fucking back on this man. He disrespects you as the military. And you know it. He doesn't want to come see you in these war zones. We have troops all America has troops all over the world. Donald Trump has yet to visit one. And in some of these spots where American troops are, there is no danger. There is well, then there's not that much danger. And plus, when Donald Trump goes to visit his troops, he's going to have all kinds of uh, protection around him, uh, uh, Secret Service, and he'll have the military to protect him. He'll be surrounded. There'll be lookouts and snipers and, uh, you know, making sure he is not hurt or ambushed. But Donald Trump, (laughs) this guy, this is just another slap in the face of the military. There's no doubt about it. This is another slap in the face of the military. Remember when he said, that the military, uh, they were having this, these, this voting problem in Florida, and Donald Trump said the military votes should not be counted. What else do the military need to do to turn their backs on this fucker? What else do, has to be done? 
before they wake up and say, this guy is a piece of shit. Trump will not visit troops in war zones because he's afraid people want to kill him. That's that's a dumb, stupid, idiotic reason for not wanting to visit the troops in uh, harm's way. That's an excuse for him trying to get out. He's always getting out of something. He's always figuring how to get out of something that traditional presidents, other presidents, have made tradition. And he doesn't want any part of it. When are they going to wake the fuck up? Donald Trump could be pissed off because he's not getting a military parade. And he's not. He's not a dictator. He is a bully. He is a coward-ass bully. Folks, wake up to Donald Trump. Troops, wake up to Donald Trump. Stop letting him tell you what to do. Stop letting him order you around and then bashing you behind your back. Donald Trump always says, I love the military. I love the military. No, he does not. His actions tells you that he does not. The military in America is the most disrespected by this piece of shit of a president. And this is something else Congress should uh, want to investigate as they take office in uh, 2019. Donald Trump refuses to do his fucking job as president of the United States. That's what we need to do. Call hearings on Donald Trump, who refuses to do his job as president of the United States. Wow. The Washington Post is reporting that Donald Trump is losing it behind the scenes in the White House. Now, according to the Post and several other reports out there, they have spoken to people inside the White House who describe the president as, quote, furious. The first thing that Donald Trump is furious about, according to these people that these papers spoke to, is that he didn't understand how bad the midterms actually turned out for Republicans until a few days later. I mean, if you'll recall the evening of the voting uh, last Tuesday and then on Wednesday morning, he talked about what a great victory it was for Republicans. He was super happy. He really, truly thought Republicans kicked ass. And then he started realizing, like, wait a minute, we did lose the House. Oh, and then as the week went on, oh, we lost another seat. There goes another one. There goes another. There goes another and another and another. So, yeah, the blue wave may not have manifested itself on election night. But over the next few days, and honestly, even through this week, we're still seeing some of those smaller waves come crashing in. The wave wasn't as big as a lot of us hoped or thought it would be. But it did, in fact, exist. It wasn't clear at first, but after a week or so of reflection, it's pretty obvious. And that's what Donald Trump realizes. So according to staffers in the White House, he's pretty pissed off about it. But that's not the only thing that's making him angry. He's also very angry about the reception that he received overseas this past weekend over the Veterans Day uh, Memorial holiday. See, Trump is angry at his aides because they didn't warn him how bad it was going to look if he didn't show up to that World War I memorial. He also got mad at Emmanuel Macron, the president of of France, uh, for going after nationalism. 
He wasn't happy about that because he took that as a direct uh, shot. He got mad and lashed out at Theresa May when she was trying to, you know, make him feel better. Um, but instead, he accused her of trying to help Iran. So it's been a very weird couple of days for Donald Trump. And again, behind the scenes, everybody's saying that things are falling apart with the president. He's getting mad. He's getting angry. He's furious. He's lashing out at people. He's mad about the midterms. He's mad about his trip. He's mad about the rain. But most importantly, he's mad about what he knows is coming in the future. Because he knows right around the corner, there's going to become a Mueller avalanche, really. We're going to see more indictments. We're going to see more subpoenas. According to reports, the Trump, uh, Trump and his lawyers actually sat down and answered the written questions on Monday to Robert Mueller. So I'm sure that didn't leave him in a very good mood. And now Mueller's going to get those. He's going to have those, and that's probably going to be the final piece of his puzzle. So in the coming weeks, we're going to see what that puzzle actually looks like. Maybe it's enough to get an indictment against Trump. Maybe it's not. Maybe Don Jr. is the one that's going to go down. That seems incredibly likely, along with Jared Kushner. But as these things continue moving, and as we get closer to that ominous date, whenever it is, of Mueller releasing his final report, Trump is going to grow more angry, more distant, more delusional, and most importantly, a lot more dangerous. I'm here today to talk about a disturbing question, which has an equally disturbing answer. My topic is the secrets of domestic violence. And the question I'm going to tackle is the one question everyone always asks. Why does she stay? Why would anyone stay with a man who beats her? I'm not a psychiatrist, a social worker, or an expert in domestic violence. I'm just one woman with a story to tell. I was 22. I had just graduated from Harvard College. I'd moved to New York City for my first job as a writer and editor at Seventeen Magazine. I had my first apartment, my first little green American Express card, and I had a very big secret. My secret was that I had this gun loaded with hollow-point bullets pointed at my head by the man who I thought was my soulmate many, many times. The man who I loved more than anybody on earth held a gun to my head and threatened to kill me more times than I can even remember. I'm here to tell you the story of crazy love, a psychological trap disguised as love, one that millions of women and even a few men fall into every year. It may even be your story. I don't look like a typical domestic violence survivor. I have a BA in English from Harvard College, an MBA in marketing from Wharton Business School. I spent most of my career working for Fortune 500 companies, including Johnson & Johnson, Leo Burnett, and The Washington Post. I've been married for almost 20 years to my second husband, and we have three kids together. My dog is a black lab, and I drive a Honda Odyssey minivan. (laughs) 
So my first message for you is that domestic violence happens to everyone. All races, all religions, all income and education levels. It's everywhere. And my second message is that everyone thinks domestic violence happens to women, that it's a women's issue. Not exactly. Over 85% of abusers are men. And domestic abuse happens only in intimate, interdependent, long-term relationships. In other words, in families. The last place we would want or expect to find violence, which is one reason domestic abuse is so confusing. I would have told you myself that I was the last person on earth who would stay with a man who beats me. But in fact, I was a very typical victim because of my age. I was 22. And in the United States, women ages 16 to 24 are three times as likely to be domestic violence victims as women of other ages. And over 500 women and girls this age are killed every year by abusive partners, boyfriends and husbands in the United States. I was also a very typical victim because I knew nothing about domestic violence, its warning signs or its patterns. I met Connor on a cold, rainy January night. He sat next to me on the New York City subway, and he started chatting me up. He told me two things. One was that he, too, had just graduated from an Ivy League school, and that he worked at a very impressive Wall Street bank. But what made the biggest impression on me that first meeting was that he was smart and funny, and he looked like a farm boy. He had these big cheeks, these big apple cheeks and this wheat blonde hair, and he seemed so sweet. One of the smartest things Connor did from the very beginning was to create the illusion that I was the dominant partner in the relationship. He did this, especially at the beginning, by idolizing me. We started dating, and he loved everything about me, that I was smart, that I'd gone to Harvard, that I was passionate about helping teenage girls and my job. He wanted to know everything about my family and my childhood, my hopes and dreams. Connor believed in me as a writer and a woman in a way that no one else ever had. And he also created a magical atmosphere of trust between us by confessing his secret, which was that as a very young boy starting at age four, he had been savagely and repeatedly physically abused by his stepfather. And the abuse had gotten so bad that he had had to drop out of school in eighth grade, even though he was very smart. And he'd spent almost 20 years rebuilding his life, which is why that Ivy League degree and the Wall Street job and his bright, shiny future meant so much to him. If you had told me that this smart, funny, sensitive man who adored me would one day dictate whether or not I wore makeup, how short my skirts were, where I lived, what jobs I took, who my friends were, and where I spent Christmas, I would have laughed at you. Because there was not a hint of violence or control or anger in Connor at the beginning. I didn't know that the first stage in any domestic violence relationship is to seduce and charm the victim. I also didn't know that the second step is to isolate the victim. Now, Connor did not come home one day and announce, you know, hey, this, all this Romeo and Juliet stuff has been great, but I need to move into the next phase where I isolate you and I abuse you. 
So I need to get you out of this apartment where the neighbors can hear you scream and out of this city where you have friends and family and coworkers who can see the bruises. Instead, Connor came home one Friday evening and he told me that he had quit his job that day, his dream job. And he said that he had quit his job because of me, because I had made him feel so safe and loved that he didn't need to prove himself on Wall Street anymore. And he just wanted to get out of the city and away from his abusive, dysfunctional family and move to a tiny town in New England where he could start his life over with me by his side. Now, the last thing I wanted to do was leave New York and my, my dream job. But I thought you made sacrifices for your soulmate. So I agreed, and I quit my job, and Connor and I left Manhattan together. I had no idea I was falling into crazy love, that I was walking headfirst into a carefully laid physical, financial, and psychological trap. The next step in the domestic violence pattern is to introduce the threat of violence and see how she reacts. And here's where those guns come in. As soon as we moved to New England, you know that place where Connor was supposed to feel so safe? He bought three guns. He kept one in the glove compartment of our car. He kept one under the pillows on our bed. And the third one he kept in his pocket at all times. And he said that he needed those guns because of the trauma he'd experienced as a young boy. He needed them to feel protected. But those guns were really a message for me. And even though he hadn't raised a hand to me, my life was already in grave danger every minute of every day. Connor first physically attacked me five days before our wedding. It was 7 a.m. I still had on my nightgown. I was working on my computer trying to finish a freelance writing assignment, and I got frustrated. And Connor used my anger as an excuse to put both of his hands around my neck and to squeeze so tightly that I could not breathe or scream. And he used the chokehold oh, to hit funny. my head repeatedly against the wall. Oh, members. Get out. Five days later, the ten bruises on my neck had just faded. And I put on my mother's wedding dress and I married him. Despite what had happened, I was sure we were going to live happily ever after. Because I loved him, and he loved me so much. And he was very, very sorry. He had just been really stressed out by the wedding and by becoming a family with me. It was an isolated incident, and he was never going to hurt me again. It happened twice more on the honeymoon. The first time, I was driving to find a secret beach, and I got lost. And he punched me in the side of my head so hard that the other side of my head repeatedly hit the driver's side window. And then a few days later, driving home from our honeymoon, he got frustrated by traffic, and he threw a cold Big Mac in my face. Connor proceeded to beat me once or twice a week for the next two and a half years of our marriage. I was mistaken in thinking that I was unique and alone in this situation. One in three American women experiences domestic violence or stalking at some point in her life. And the CDC reports that 15 million children are abused every year. 15 million. So actually, I was in very good company. 
Back to my question. Why did I stay? The answer is easy. I didn't know he was abusing me. Even though he held those loaded guns to my head, pushed me downstairs, threatened to kill our dog, pulled the key out of the car ignition as I drove down the highway, poured coffee grinds on my head as I dressed for a job interview. I never once thought of myself as a battered wife. Instead, I was a very strong woman in love with a deeply troubled man, and I was the only person on earth who could help Connor face his demons. The other question everybody asks is, why doesn't she just leave? Why didn't I walk out? I could have left any time. To me, this is the saddest and most painful question that people ask. Because we victims know something you usually don't. It's incredibly dangerous to leave an abuser. Because the final step in the domestic violence pattern is kill her. Over 70% of domestic violence murders happen after the victim has ended the relationship, after she's gotten out, because then the abuser has nothing left to lose. Other outcomes include long-term stalking, even after the abuser remarries, denial of financial resources, and manipulation of the family court system to terrify the victim and her children, who are regularly forced by family court judges to spend unsupervised time with the man who beat their mother. And still we ask, why doesn't she just leave? I was able to leave because of one final sadistic beating that broke through my denial. I realized that the man who I loved so much was going to kill me if I let him. So I broke the silence. I told everyone. The police, my neighbors, my friends and family, total strangers. And I'm here today because you all helped me. We tend to stereotype victims as grisly headlines, self-destructive women, damaged goods. The question, why does she stay, is code for some people for it's her fault for staying. As if victims intentionally choose to fall in love with men intent upon destroying us. But since publishing Crazy Love, I have heard hundreds of stories from men and women who also got out, who learned an invaluable life lesson from what happened, and who rebuilt lives, joyous, happy lives, as employees, wives, and mothers, lives completely free of violence, like me. Because it turns out that I'm actually a very typical domestic violence victim and a typical domestic violence survivor. I remarried a kind and gentle man, we have those three kids. I have that black lab, and I have that minivan. What I will never have again, ever, is a loaded gun held to my head by someone who says that he loves me. Now, right now, maybe you're thinking, wow, this is fascinating, or wow, how stupid was she? But this whole time, I've actually been talking about you. I promise you, there are several people listening to me right now 
who are currently being abused, or who were abused as children, or who are abusers themselves. Abuse could be affecting your daughter, your sister, your best friend right now. I was yep. able to end right my now. own crazy love story by breaking the silence. I'm still breaking the silence today. It's my way of helping other victims. Oh, the highway. And it's my final request of you. Talk about what you heard here. Abuse thrives only in silence. You have the power to end domestic violence simply by shining a spotlight on it. We victims need everyone. We need every one of you to understand the secrets of domestic violence. Show abuse the light of day by talking about it with your children, your coworkers, your friends and family. Recast survivors as wonderful, lovable people with full futures. Recognize the early signs of violence and conscientiously intervene, de-escalate it, show victims a safe way out. Together, we can make our beds, our dinner tables, and our families the safe and peaceful oases they should be. Thank you. Thank you.
Mr. Trump, it's Dixon White here, sending a video letter directly to you, sir. And the only reason I call you sir is because the office that you hold is supposed to be a respectable office. But so I just want to speak directly to you, Mr. Trump. I know you may never get this video. Maybe you will, though, because at least I have white skin like you. But first, I wanted to applaud you for one thing, and only one thing. Um, many racists in politics are very covert. So I applaud you for being an open racist, and I applaud you for at least letting us see just how racist you are. And it's now it's it's well established worldwide that you are a bona fide white supremacist. Um, there's not a nation that hasn't condemned you as a racist. So you have dishonored and disgraced one of the, the highest office offices in the land. But I wanted to say one thing. You made a comment yesterday about shithole countries, poor, black, brown countries. So because they're poor, because they're black and brown and not white or European, you consider them shitholes. Well, I wanted to give you an accurate definition of a shithole nation. A shithole nation, by definition, would be a nation like America that allows and tolerates a racist to operate in their highest office, the presidency. That is a shithole nation nation that tolerates a racist president. There is no worse pile of shit or turd in the toilet out of all the other countries than a great nation like America that allows its president to be an open white supremacist and then to allow them to continue to function as president. That's the biggest turd in the pot. Or as you say, the biggest shithole. Why? Because you, Mr. Trump, are the shit, the turd, in the White House. That's staining and putting the foul odor all over our nation. And of course, the only reason you're there is because you're a racist. You're a complete and utter idiot with no competency whatsoever to be where you're at. The only reason you're there is because we had a black president and our racist nation wanted a racist president after a black president. So until America can get past its racism, which I don't know if it ever has, because there's one thing about black folks, Mr. Trump. Black folks have always understood one thing. The more things change in this country, the more they stay the same. You are living proof that any white person, no matter how racist they are, and matter of fact, racism is actually more of a compliment in this nation. It's like apple pie racism in America. They go hand in hand. If you're a white American, you're a racist, and you've, and you've proven that. And not only you're a racist, if you're a racist, you get rewarded for being a racist in this country. Why? 
because we are a racist organization called America. Fact. And nothing has changed. In 400 years, what has really changed? We're still seeing black and brown folks executed in the street. Not that you and Jeff Sessions or any of your racist motherfucking cabinet care. You don't give a fuck about justice for people of color. You're all a group of white nationalists. So I just want to tell you, here's you one white guy. That? And I'm telling you personally, Donald Trump, kiss my white fat ass. I hate... <laughs> I had to cut him off, folks. All right, so... <laughs> He was making a point until he really, really got um, vile. Anyway, Pelosi gets one big step closer to claiming to being elected House Speaker once again. As uh, if you've been listening to the show, you know I oppose it. I, I don't have anything against her being a woman. So you guys can get that. Guys and girls, women and men, you can you can get that out of your mind. Take that notion out of your mind. I have nothing against her as a woman. I don't think she should be speaker. I think there is something between her and Trump. I can't put my finger on it, but Trump has said that Nancy Pelosi should be speaker. And Nancy Pelosi has suggested or said that she would not impeach Trump. There is something there. And... Ultimately, it's her age. Nancy Pelosi is almost 80. We need new ideas. We need fresh faces. We need tougher people. Um, they, say she's, they say she's tough. You know, uh, We need tough people, maybe even tougher than uh, Nancy Pelosi, to fight Trump and the Republicans. I just think Pelosi is just going to lay down on this. Maybe she learned a lesson. Maybe she felt that America does not want her as, as their speaker, and maybe she's changing a few of her uh, uh, ideas that she had on this, especially when it comes to dealing with Trump. No, I don't think she should be speaker because she's almost 80. I mean, she should take time. Uh, she should probably retire and go spend time with her children her grandchildren, her great-grandchildren or great-great-great-grandchildren, whatever, and live out her last days because everybody's going to die at a certain point at a certain age, you know, if they make it <laughs> to that point. But anyway, um, they're saying here that uh, one of the speakers who are running against um, Nancy Pelosi has dropped out, and she's endorsing Nancy Pelosi. I wonder what happened there. Was she paid? Was she paid to drop out, to drop out and endorse Nancy Pelosi? You 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 never know what's going on in the back rooms, uh, in some of these political uh, arenas. You never know what's going on. You never know what's being said. Why would this African American woman, they call Marcia Fudge, uh, why would she bow, uh, 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 bow out as speakership? Something's probably was said. She may have gotten paid under the table. I'm pretty sure she's probably uh, a representative to some district in America, and I'm pretty sure they're pissed off at her uh, just blatantly handing over the speakership to uh, Nancy Pelosi. 
like I said before, I have nothing against her as a woman. This is not a sexist comment. I just think we need new blood. We need new ideas. We need a new direction. And I don't, I don't think Nancy is going to get us there. And plus, she's 80. I'm not trying to say anything. Is I'm not trying to say anything about her mental faculties. I'm no way, no how. I just think we need new, younger leadership. It has nothing to do with her age or that she's a woman. And I hope you guys out there and girls out there understand that. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. We're just about off the air, folks. And I want to say I want to thank everybody for tuning in and. Uh, <laughs> I always have fun on the show. I always have fun on the show. We're going to start booking some guests in the upcoming weeks so we can um, mostly authors, probably a bunch of authors. I like interviewing and talking to people who write books because I'm an author. I write books and stories and everything. Um, uh, And I love having all kinds of people on the show. You don't have to be a writer. You could be, I don't know, a clown or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, a real, <laughs> a real clown, a nice clown, one who entertains at children's parties. Um, I, I'm not talking about the clown in the White House, okay? All right. Anyway, we're going to have a, a slew of guests on the show for from now to uh, at least later on in the week until December and on into the new year, hopefully. And I want to thank everybody for listening, tuning in. Make sure if you missed the show uh, – Podcast it later. It, it's always there. Um, also, you can tell your friends about the show. Tell tell everybody about this show and uh, tell them if you like it, if you hate it, or whatever. But make sure you tell people to listen. Uh, you know, I, I try not to. I'm not one of those kinds of uh, show hosts that begs people to listen to their show. I have a lot of fun on the show myself. I really do have a lot of fun on the show, and uh, no, as you can probably see the way way I talk, there are sometimes I stutter, I forget, and I make a few flubs. But I think every show host does that. I've seen them do it on cable television, flub a line, uh, then they pick themselves up and they move on and they get on with the show. That's the same thing about this show. Same thing about this show. Some days I. I'm I'm good to go. Some days I'm not so good to go. That's that's the <laughs> that's the beauty of it, you know. But I do know that my listeners and everybody out there understands uh, that the George Wilder Jr. Show is all about content, content, uh, what's going on, what's happening in the world. Uh, when I first started out the show, it was all about authors, but it it uh, evolved into politics. And I, I, I don't know that much about politics. All I know is what is going on in the world today. It is not right. <laughs> Something has to change because it is not right. And uh, we're here to try to help make it right. We want to help make it right and to make it um, to make it livable for everybody. Because uh, this show is still about making the world a better place. Once we get rid of these Republicans and Donald Trump, it's going to be a hell of a place. We put in all Democrats, liberals, progressives, people who care about the country, people who care about Americans. That's what we need. Put people in office who are who cater to what we want, not catering to what they want. 
as you know, the Republicans are doing nothing but lining their pockets with our money. And it is true. We are being had. We've taken some parts of our country back. We've taken big chunks of our country back. But we still have work to do. We have to get this monster out of our White House. We got to get those jackass traitor Republicans out of Congress. It may take us a few months. It may take us all the way up to 2020 to do this, but it has to be done. It has to be done. I want to say thanks for listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Wherever you find yourself listening to this podcasted show after it's recorded, have a great weekend, a great evening, a great afternoon, (laughs) wherever you might find yourself listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. But by all means, have fun. Always have fun listening to the show. That's what it's all about. It's about fun, having a great time. And make sure you be nice to one of them. Excuse me. See, I told you I I, I flub. I, I do a lot of flubbing. What I wanted to say is make sure that you're nice and kind to one another. Stop bitching. Stop being mean. Stop the jealousy or whatever. Uh, forgive people if you can. But be nice. Be kind. Be gentle. Giving. You know, this is what America is all about. We're not about violence. We're not about hatred like Donald Trump. We're not about crime and criminal and and as we have a president who is. All right. Thanks for tuning in to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Once again, be nice to one another and make sure you check out my Amazon page and <laughs> because I've got a lot of writings up there. All right, bye-bye, everybody. Hope you join me in tomorrow. If not, then make sure you podcast the show, okay? And listen, and have fun. Bye-bye, everybody.
from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.